Welcome to the Cookery by the Book podcast with me, Susie Chase. My name is Abraham Conlon. I am the executive chef and co-owner of Fat Rice, and my new book is The Adventures of Fat Rice. Macau is only an hour away from Hong Kong, but I've heard that Macanese food has nothing in common with the various cuisines of China. Give us a little history of Macau. Absolutely, Susie. The history of Macau is is a very uh, complex and interesting one. It is um, in southern China, directly across the bay from Hong Kong. Uh, It became a trading port about 400 years ago as essentially uh, a center for uh, trade and, and, and uh, various cultural exchange. Uh, essentially, Macau was the last place that the Portuguese were during the Age of Exploration, uh, which started in about uh, 1494. And so the interesting thing about Macau is with the cuisine and the culinary landscape, it definitely incorporates all the places that the Portuguese were before, whether that was uh, Brazil or Africa, India, Malaysia, even Japan. So it, it brings all of these elements from all of these lands as well as uh, the basic fundamentals of Portuguese cuisine and uh, some basic techniques and uh, ingredients from southern China, all kind of culminating, mixing and melding into a, a beautiful uh, harmonious cuisine. In this cookbook, you followed the roots of Portuguese traders and sailors and interpreted the food connections. Talk a little bit about your experience with Macanese cuisine and also cooking in people's kitchens. Absolutely. Well, I think the the story starts for me. Um, I am of Portuguese descent, and I grew up in a town called Lowell, Massachusetts, uh, which had a uh, 30% Southeast Asian population. So I was always around Asian flavors, and I was always around different ingredients, and I was really intrigued by those. Um, and in 1999, I read about Macau and uh, people there utilizing food as a method of heritage preservation. So it was an interesting for me to kind of explore my heritage as well as, as, well as the ingredients and uh, the other cultures that I was interested in. And then when I found out about Macau in 1999, I read an article uh, about, uh, called Original Fusion in Sever Magazine by Margaret Sheridan. And uh, it was really intriguing because it was actually a combination of all these places that I had read about and uh, had interest in. You know, you had, you had olive oil and bay leaf from uh, from Portugal, you had chili peppers and potatoes from the New World from Brazil, you had uh, curry spices from India, you had shrimp paste from uh, Malaysia, as well as uh, beautiful fresh fish and soy sauce and uh, various condiments from southern China. What are the differences in the food made in homes versus what you can order in the restaurants on the island? Absolutely. So in Macau, it's really interesting. You have uh, you you have Portuguese restaurants which have very much you know uh, regional Portuguese dishes, whether that's salt cod, a roast suckling pig, or um, grilled sardines. You have various uh, great. Uh, Chinese restaurants, wonderful dim sum. You also have food uh, restaurants that serve foods that uh, Macau is famous for. Now, these are things like uh, pokok gai or Portuguese chicken, uh, which is uh, chicken cooked with curry and coconut milk and chorizo and olives. You have galinha africana, which is uh, African chicken, which is a uh, roasted chicken with a sauce of peanuts and, uh, and chilies and coconut milk as well as olives and cornichon, which goes on top. And 
various other things like pork chop sandwiches and egg tarts. Now, these are all relatively new inventions uh, of Macau, and they are what Macau is famous for. And most people, this is what they see when they go to Macau, and this is what they think of as Macanese food. Uh, For myself, the, the definition really is that this is food of Macau. And there is a whole other side of Macau's cuisine, which is Macanese cuisine, which is of uh, mixed blood, Portuguese and Chinese at the very bare minimum. Uh, people that create these dishes in their home, and, the, and they have uh, a history uh, over the past 500 years, and they have uh, uh, cousins and, and relatives in other countries, uh, whether that's Portugal, Brazil, or, uh, or India, or even Malaysia. So we find these, uh, these dishes, the home-style dishes, like tacho, which is a version of, uh, of northern Portuguese cocido, which is a boiled dinner. But actually, in Macau, they add uh, Chinese sausage or uh, Chinese ham or puffed pork skins that give uh, a, vari- a varying texture that you wouldn't necessarily find in Portugal. Now, tacho is something that you would never find in a restaurant. This is much more of a home style, you know, one pot kind of meal that's meant to be served uh, to, to many uh, family and friends. Uh, other examples of these are like the arroz gordo, the fat rice, which is our signature dish, even uh, minchi, which is uh, the kind of quintessential comfort food of the Macanese people, which is a ground pork, maybe sometimes ground beef, flavored with uh, bay leaf, olive oil, Worcestershire sauce, and three soy sauces, usually eaten with a little bit of rice and an egg. So you have these um, controlled uh, kind of combinations of dishes that are, are very subtle um, and that aren't, frankly, they aren't that appealing to the eye. They're, they're real, it's said that uh, Macanese cuisine, its beauty is on the palate as opposed to, to the eye. And uh, that was, has always presented a challenge to us in a commercial restaurant setting. Uh, but we always wanted to focus on flavor and the heritage and the tradition of these dishes. At Fat Rice, we celebrate both the dishes of famous dishes of Macau, uh, but we also focus on the heritage recipes of the home. Now, do you think Macanese food is the best representation of combined world cuisine? It's, it's, it's definitely a strong contender. You know, it's interesting. Uh, Macau is very much a place like, uh, um, like New Orleans or Veracruz or, or, or Venice or Sicily or Northern Africa, where like all lots of different cultures come together and, and blend and they learn from each other. And next thing you know, they're kind of creating their own uh, cuisine of, of time and place. And um, it definitely is, uh, does have a lots of elements of, uh, many different cultures across this planet, and um, I like to think that it is one of the best representations of world cuisine. As one of the wealthiest cities in the world, why do you think that Macanese food is disappearing? Well, I think um, I think the fact that uh, it is becoming more of a, a gambling uh, mecca, it is becoming more of a tourist destination, um, there is a focus on, you know, obviously, um, 
economy and a lot of the Macanese people after the 1999 handover actually, you know, moved away. They moved, they moved, they either moved to Portugal, they might have moved to Brazil, they might have moved to Canada, California, Australia, etc. So you have this diaspora uh, around around the globe that is still celebrating their culture. And I mean, in, in fact, you know, in in Macau itself, there is not many Macanese people or people that identify as Macanese, we're talking approximately, five, you know, somewhere in the 5,000 uh, range. And that's obviously fluxing in and out uh, as time passes. Um, but I, I feel that there is definitely for uh, the Macanese people, there is this struggle for them to maintain identity and um, a sense of place. And I think food is one way that they are uh, do, helping preserve their culture and for myself, I want to be a part of that and and a, and a tool and help and help aid that in, in in the in the overall discussion and conversation. So before Fat Rice, X Marks was your speakeasy restaurant in Chicago that you started with Adrian Lowe, yeah. where you hosted underground dinners. Now, were you preparing Macanese dishes at X Marks back then? We were preparing some Macanese dishes because, again, since 1999, I have, been, you know, it's always been in the back of my mind, and I've always, I had, I was doing casual research and, and just here and there, and with the with the supper club, we always wanted to. Um, change it up and do new things. You know, we would explore Indian cuisine or Vietnamese cuisine or Laotian cuisine or Lebanese cuisine, and, and we would interpret it in our own style. And I think, you know, we did, a, I remember doing a couple dinners, uh, we call it under the influence, uh, Portuguese influence, that is. You know, we might do some, some Brazilian dishes. We might do some, uh, some uh, Cape Verdean dishes. We might do some uh, Goan dishes. And we definitely incorporate some Macanese dishes from, of what we learned, you know. And obviously I had never been there. Um, but, you know, I, I had some literature, and, I, and again, I was doing this casual research. So we definitely did a couple of Macanese dishes. We might have done some di- dinners inspired by Macau. Um, but this was prior to our firsthand knowledge of the cuisine. So um, when we finally got a chance to travel to Sichuan province and, go to, and then ultimately go to Hong Kong and Macau was when we actually uh, got a better understanding by uh, getting in with some of the uh, real Macanese people uh, of uh, Portuguese, uh, mixed Portuguese and Chinese descent and learn their recipes and learn from them. And then when we came back, we definitely were, we definitely put out more Macanese dishes, uh, but there was never a goal to open a Macanese restaurant. I think after uh, time, which was five years of, of the underground restaurant, you know, we did over 250 dinners, seven courses, seven to 15 courses per meal, rarely repeating dishes. And so we had this large repertoire of dishes that we, and techniques that we could employ uh, in our upcoming restaurant. We knew we had to open a restaurant because the, sustain, the sustainability of, um, of the underground restaurant really is not that realistic. So we had to move forward and, and build a restaurant, but we just didn't know exactly what we were going to do. Moving on to fat rice, were you ever worried that no one would get the fat rice cuisine or they wouldn't recognize it? Absolutely. It was uh, definitely, a, you know, it, it was a struggle for us in the beginning to say, we're going to cook the food of Macau. We're going to cook a Macanese food. Um, 
you know, so we kind of at the beginning said, okay, well, we're going to use global Portuguese cuisine in general and the, the places that they touched upon, and we're going to cook those cuisines, right? If they were in China, we're going to cook. We might have Sichuan dishes. You might have Cantonese dishes. If you know, if they were in India, you might have Indian dishes. But I think over time, relatively quickly in the first couple months, we realized that we were being recognized as a place that serves Macanese food and what is Macanese food. And we started trimming and I said, get rid of the Sichuan dishes, get rid of the Northern Indian dishes, get rid of, get rid of these uh, other dishes that didn't really make sense to a, uh, a Eurasian conversation. And so we really started focusing in on the homestyle recipes of, of Macau and then really looking at, um, again, these other small microcosms of Eurasian communities around the world uh, that, again, created or, and kind of gave birth to Macanese cuisine. But that was one of the reasons why we named the restaurant Fat Rice. Fat Rice was the direct translation of a rose gordo, which was uh, a dish that was uniquely Macanese, that had roots in Portugal, that had influences from all these other places. And we wanted it to be simple, and we wanted it to be straightforward. And even if people didn't understand global Portuguese cuisine, Macanese cuisine, no, even know where Macau was, they would say, I had an amazing meal at Fat Rice. Are you going to Fat Rice? That place is, that place is great. Or, you know, whatever, whatever the, the dialogue may be, but keeping it simple and not, you know, not something so um, poetic. So while reading this cookbook, I discovered fermented shrimp paste. I'd never seen that before. Can you describe it and how do you use it in dishes? Sure, absolutely. Uh, when we're talking about fermented shrimp paste, and specifically Macau, we're talking about bali shao. Now, bali shao is a derivative of many things. Uh, it could be balancan, uh, baguang, uh, bal shao. These are all names of essentially a dried or fermented shrimp paste or powder that comes uh, from essentially warmer climate uh, shallow waters where it's tiny krill that uh, has been dried and then made into a paste or a powder. Um, now, the thing that defines Macanese balishao from all the other um, Southern Asian shrimp paste, which are employed in, in, in many dishes, is the addition of European and New World ingredients, if you will. Now, balishao is... Uh, the small shrimps are combined with uh, brandy. Now that could be Chinese Chinese spirit or it could be Portuguese brandy. A uh, very important uh, ingredient is laurel leaf, um, the bay leaf, as well as lemon, chili, peppercorn, sometimes other spices blended together and allowed to ferment and age in a way that it develops kind of this really cheesy, funky, uh, bright aroma and flavor profile. Now, and you won't find that particular recipe in, say, a place like Malaysia or Thailand, uh, where you know this, where f fermented shrimp paste is is, is utilized a lot. Um, it is very, very rare that in Macau you will find. It's not a commercial product. You do not find this on in the stores. Um, this is really only made in people's homes. Now, very few people make it from scratch. Two of our friends are, are one of the only people that we know of that make it from scratch. Usually, it is a doctored up 
shrimp paste or uh, brine shrimp that, that, that uh, home cooks are using in their home as a matter of convenience. So they might take some shrimp paste, add some brandy, add the bay leaf, add uh, peppercorn, chili, et cetera, whatever they might have as their family bali shao doctor up recipe and then allow that to age and that's and that's what they'll use because even we found that even the shrimp that is traditionally used in that uh, condiment is unavailable in Macau proper. Like sometimes people have to go and have the stuff brought in from the mainland. When we were in Macau, like, and I had read about Bali Chow, I kind of thought it was going to be on every street corner like this was a thing. And I was kind of just running around and just asking various shop owners. And, and really they didn't, they didn't understand what I was talking because, again, the Macanese community is so small that most, and, and frankly, most mainland uh Chinese and even um, uh, mainland or Chinese living in Macau don't necessarily even recognize that there is a Macanese community. They're essentially just Portuguese. Really? Yes. So there, there is, there is, there is almost no. There is a lot of ignorance towards the community, huh. in that you know people, you know, when you're when you're Chinese and and part something else, you're, no, you're almost no longer Chinese. Now you're Portuguese, and there is no kind of culmination point, which is unfortunate because, you know, it is, um, it is something, uh, a definitely uh, a community that needs to be recognized uh, within Macau and, and understood. And I think that is, that is one struggle uh, for the Macanese community is establishing and maintaining their identity. On Sunday night, I made your recipe for Macanese meatloaf, Capella, on page 203. So talk a little bit about this recipe. Absolutely. I love Capella. Capella, um, you know, it is, uh, the name Capella is of Portuguese origin. It is essentially chapel. It could be chapel or it could be crown. And now, because the, the meatloaf is, is shaped in, it, it's shaped in a ring. Now, it's usually made with at least um, pork, sometimes beef, but um, it's kind of the meatloaf to end all meatloafs as far as I'm concerned. It is uh, pork, sometimes beef, uh, mixed with soaked uh, bread, which is soaked in milk, uh, which gives a nice texture. It will have pine nuts or pili nuts, which is a very rich uh, uh, Nut that similar to like an almond or macadamia nut in fat content that they'll use that they use in Macau in many traditional recipes. It has ground or chopped up uh, chorizo or linguiça sausage in it, as well as olives, black olives, which give a beautiful kind of fruity fragrance to the whole thing. Usually topped with cheese and topped with bacon and then brushed with egg white and then or egg yolk excuse me and then baked in the oven and um it it retains so much moisture it has so much flavor sometimes there's even ham involved in there then that's one of the things that really drew me towards macanese cuisine which is, was just this kind of over the top combination of proteins and flavors and so many things going on within each dish um, but it really comes together and harmonizes harmonizes beautifully. Uh, great texture and um, great moisture content, as well as having a, a lot of flavor. It was really good, and I thought that the black olives and the mushrooms were surprising. 
Yes. So that was so the mushroom was an interesting addition, and you know there are definitely some tweaks that we um, we have uh, in our recipes, and we we, we and we kind of go over that in the book where we say you know you might not find um, the woodier mushrooms that that is not a traditional uh, addition to capella, but um, we through our you know travels in Southeast Asia finding like in say something like a uh, a Vietnamese style uh, pork pate where they do put the uh, the mushroom the woodier mushrooms in there giving kind of a snappy uh, contrast in 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 the pate and we and we took that and we kind of crossed the line and brought that over to Capella uh, which is kind of our our addition and and our little kind of just homage to our own experiences within the world. Um, but again, we, we, we try to make it really uh, a point where we say, this is what we know, and this is what is traditional, and then this is what we do within this dish. Just to be clear and to not, to not, um, to not say, oh, traditionally, Capella has woodier mushrooms in it. So we want to be very careful with that, but, but also have a means to express ourselves uh, with our own perspective and our own lens. Where can we find you in Chicago and on the web? You can find me in Chicago at Fat Rice Restaurant in Chicago, Illinois, in Logan Square, at Sacramento, and Diversity. Our website is www.eatfatrice.com, and all of our social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram is at Eat Fat Rice. Abraham, thank you so much for preserving Macanese cuisine for generations to come. And thanks for coming on Cookery by the Book podcast. Thank you so much. It was my pleasure.